Mayfair 515, Albuquerque Center, Roger, climb and maintain 13,000. Riding down the trail to Albuquerque, saddlebags all filled with beans and Welcome to the City on the Edge podcast with your hosts, Nora Hickey, Mike Smith, and Ty Bannerman. like Los to me. Welcome back to City on the Edge. I'm your host, Ty Bannerman. Mike Smith was sadly attacked by gnomes yesterday and is recovering in the hospital. And Nora Hickey has joined Colorado's Love Has One cult in order to commune with the spirit of Robin Williams. But today, I'm talking about the Los Lunas Decalogue Stone. Now, there are a lot of amazing, mysterious things to see in the New Mexico wilderness. Natural wonders that will bowl you over with their beauty, the remains of towns and cities that rose and fell long before European colonizers ever came to this land, and throughout the state, stones that bear messages from the past, many thousands of years old, many more a comparatively young few centuries old. So... Why would anyone feel the need to create a fake amazing site in a state full of authentic wonders? Forgive me, I usually like to play the it was all faked card toward the end of the story, but this particular fraud really bugs me. But okay, let's just pretend for a moment that the jury's still out on this one. On the side of a lonely mountain, about a half hour west of Los Lunas, A chunk of volcanic boulder bears evidence that maybe, just maybe, the history of human settlement in New Mexico didn't play out quite the way we were all taught. For written on the face of this stone are lines in a Semitic script completely out of place among the petroglyphs and later Spanish inscriptions found in similar places. According to one translation, the script begins, I am Yahweh thy God. And it continues with a truncated version of the familiar Ten Commandments. Could it be that thousands of years ago, long before the Spanish entered this land, that a tribe of lost Israelites came upon this mountain and inscribed a sacred tenet of their faith? No, it isn't. It is not. So interestingly, the Ten Commandments is only one translation of these characters. There are several alternate takes, including one that claims that the characters, when spoken aloud, translates to a phonetic version of Diné and tells a story of Navajo migration. But by far, my favorite is the one from Dixie L. Perkins, a calligrapher who wrote a book on the Decalogue Stone in the 1970s. She translates the lines as reading, I have come upon this spot. The other one met with an untimely death one year ago. Dishonored, insulted, and stripped of flesh, the men thought him to be an object of care whom I looked after, considered crazed, wandering in mind, to be tossed about as if in a wind, to perish, streaked with blood. I, Zakinaros, am dross, scum, refuse, just as on board a ship a soft, effeminate sailor is flogged with an animal's hide. Hot. 
And it certainly shows that there's some room for interpretation in these characters. True believers have their own ideas, of course. Most go with the Ten Commandment translation and use that as a platform for their alternate history of the world. Here's a typical example from a so-called documentary. Well, that means that everything you think you know about the history of North America is wrong. You have to follow the facts. Right here, resting at an angle, is the Decalogue Stone. Now, it's not in the land where one would expect to find Hebrew inscriptions. Hebrew experts and sworn testimony pointed out that the Paleo-Hebrew inscription at Los Unas was valid. What are they so afraid of? I think they might be afraid to utter those three little words that nobody likes to say. We were wrong. As long as the story of America is Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 and there were nothing but ignorant savages here before, uh, nothing is going to happen. But let's walk through some scenarios. If a Hebraic tribe happened to come through New Mexico in Old Testament times, we can assume that there would be evidence of their presence other than one single stone with some of the most famous lines in any sacred scripture written on it. There would be settled sites, artifacts like stoneware, tools, perhaps even other inscribed stones, but that simply isn't the case. Certainly nothing near this mystery stone at Hidden Mountain. And Hidden Mountain and the area surrounding it has certainly seen its share of archaeologists in the last century and a half. There's a major archaeological site called Pueblo Mound just around the corner. And at the top of Hidden Mountain, there are the ruins of defensive structures clearly traced to the ancestors of the local Puebloans. As University of Connecticut archaeologist Kenneth Fader says, any wandering Hebrew tribes who arrived at the mountain would surely have, quote, stopped along the way encamped, eaten food, broken things, disposed of trash, performed rituals, and so on. And those actions should have left a trail of physical archaeological evidence across the greater American Southwest, discovery of which would undeniably prove the existence of foreigners in New Mexico in antiquity with a demonstrably ancient Hebrew material culture. And then he goes on to state that, quote, there are no pre-Columbian ancient Hebrew settlements, no sites containing the everyday detritus of a band of ancient Hebrews, nothing that even a cursory knowledge of how the archaeological record forms would demand there would be. From an archaeological standpoint, that is plainly impossible. Then there's the fact that the inscription looks really, really new. Where the other petroglyphs on the mountain show clear signs of an aged patina over their markings, the mystery stone shows crisp, clear white lines and no patina at all. The believers claim that this is because Boy Scouts cleaned it in the 50s, which had the unfortunate and convenient effect of making it impossible to date the inscription. In 1926, no less an archaeological authority than Adolf Bandelier himself for whom Bandelier National Monument is named, visited the area, climbed to the top of Hidden Mountain via the canyon that would have taken him right by the Mystery Stone and never made a single notation or comment about this anomalous artifact. Nor did any of the locals he spoke to in the area mention it. In fact, the very first person to mention it, as far as anyone can tell, was none other than UNM archaeologist Frank Hibben. 
Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you may recall that Hibben is hardly the most trustworthy of sources. His claim to fame was the supposed discovery of Sandia Man, a prehistoric human culture that he said lived in the Americas thousands of years before any other, and used European-style stone tools to boot. His discovery was called into question when radiocarbon dating indicated that the samples came from multiple sites and were of multiple ages. So it would not be the most far-fetched idea to think that he had something to do with the Decalogue stone. He first viewed it in 1933, although he claimed that a local Native American man told him that he remembered seeing the stone back as far as 1880. Again, this is from a guy who has a reputation for embellishment. Hibben's name certainly makes me raise an eyebrow, but it seems like a pretty bold move to carve the stone even for him. Although I will point out that he was 23 years old at the time, so maybe more given to youthful pranks. There is another tantalizing clue pointing to a different culprit, however. This clue is right below the stone itself, carved into a flat rock at its base. Two names, Hobe and Eva, and the date 1930. Whoever Hobe and Eva were, that would have placed them at the site right between Bandelier's visit, who didn't report the rock in 1926, and Hibben's visit in 1933, who did report the rock. Hobe and Eva seem to have had quite the time on their visit to Hidden Mountain. They left numerous signatures all over the place, and some of them look very similar to the carvings on the stone. Oral tradition at UNM tells that Hobe and Eva were archaeology students who admitted to faking the stone later and were nearly expelled for it. But my investigations into UNM's 1930 yearbook revealed nobody with the name Hobe or Eva, so it's impossible to say who they were or why they may have done it. It's just one more mystery about the mystery stone. Regardless of its origin, the mystery stone has become a pilgrimage site for those who believe in alternative histories and apocalyptic visions of the future. Another inscription near the top of the mountain states, The Earth is Flat, which I believe summarizes the kind of belief many of these pilgrims bring with them. For me, though, Hidden Mountain is a beautiful place in its own right. There are numerous petroglyphs on display and the ancient ruins of a Native American fort at the top. While you're there, you're treated to one of New Mexico's many impressive views, looking down on a windswept valley and the winding course of the Rio Puerco. It's well worth a visit for these reasons alone. And while you're there, you may wish to take a rest at this peculiar rock halfway up the canyon to Hidden Mountain's summit. A strange fraud perpetrated, in my opinion anyway, sometime in the early 20th century by an unknown forger for an unknown reason. It's a good place to eat your lunch, if nothing else. Thank you for tuning into another episode of City on the Edge. If you enjoyed our show, tell your friends, like and share our stuff on social media, and check out our YouTube channel by searching for City on the Edge Albuquerque. This episode has been made possible by our supporters on Patreon, aka the coolest people on the planet. To join them in their support of our show and get exclusive access to content, t-shirts, and swag, go to patreon.com slash cityontheedge and sign up for one of the tiers starting as low as $1 a month. This has been a City on the Edge production.